In the name of Jesus, amen. Please be seated. I want you to ponder something today, and it's pretty simple. How would you look publicly amongst everybody else if your most secret and hidden sins became visible for everybody to see? Imagine all of the sins that you have done in your thoughts, your words, and your deeds out of eyesight from everyone, imagine all of a sudden they were for all to see. Every last person around you, in your household, in church, out in public. No hiding, no keeping it as a skeleton in the closet. Imagine if all of your sins were present, laid bare for all to see. Think about how you would look, what you would look like, if they physically were manifested themselves to you. Hold on to that thought. Maybe you don't want to. Now turn your attention to these lepers that you've heard of today. We hear this text usually around Thanksgiving time. We're familiar with the whole story. Ten lepers are ill. They have leprosy. Rotting, stinking flesh. These ten men had their lives taken from them. Everything they had was gone. Their families, their homes, their jobs, everything gone. Leprosy had robbed them of their own existence. They were cast out from their community. No longer able to simply even live in their own homes, quarantined. Before medicine had developed to the point of being able to treat these sorts of illnesses, it really wasn't a bad idea to have these people stay outside of the community. If they stayed around, they might have infected the whole community, the whole city at large. So as painful as it might have been for them, they had to go from society. They were outcasts. If they saw somebody walking by, they would have to cry out, I am unclean. I am unclean. Imagine that for a moment. I am unclean. And it was all to say, stay away from me. You think we've got it bad today with six feet of distancing and masks? All these COVID variants? No. These guys were downright dangerous. Leprosy is this disease of rotting flesh, boils, scabs, pus, nasty stuff. And these ten lepers look on the outside with like what we look like on the inside with our sin. If our sin was truly visible for others, we would probably be removed from the community as well, casted out. This is the one reason why we're so wary about being around people whose sins are visible. We don't want to catch it. It's bad for the church. It's bad for the village. We want to make them walk around and stay away from everybody else, hollering all about their sins. I'm sinful. I'm unclean. Unclean. Mark them like Cain. 
Mark their sins publicly so everyone can know. Those pet sins that we love to throw gasoline on. Those sins which have already consumed the person in those sins. And we just add more struggle and strife rather than mercy and compassion. It's a story of a teenage girl who got pregnant. She was a lifelong member of her church, and as soon as she got pregnant by her boyfriend, she stopped attending the church. And the pastor took note of this, and he asked the parents what was going on. And they said, well, our daughter has become pregnant out of wedlock, pastor, and she doesn't feel like she's worthy to come to the church. So she's staying away. And the pastor said, bring her in. I would like to speak to her. So fearfully and tearfully, she made her way into the church office. She sat down with the pastor, and they discussed what happened. And she said, Pastor, I am so terribly sorry for what has happened. I'm embarrassed by this. I know that God must be ashamed of me, and I know that I have done something terribly wrong. And the pastor immediately proclaimed to her that all sins were forgiven by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and that this child was now a gift, as it always has been, by God. And that this pastor and this congregation would do everything possible to make sure that this child was brought into this world and created in the image and likeness of God as it was. And while this brought comfort to this girl, she said, that's fine, Pastor, but what happens when I begin to show that I'm pregnant? Everybody in the congregation will know. It's a true story. And that pastor looked at her and simply said, your sins are forgiven. They are gone as far as the east is from the west. They are buried into the depths of the sea. And if one person should cast judgment upon you, if one person should not show compassion and mercy and love to you, you let me know about it because they will have to deal with me. And so she came back. If you think about that, with the people who have been caught up in all of those sins that are visible, that are evident around us, where do we stand in the midst of all of this? You and I have admitted something today that's actually very difficult if you think about it. You've lifted up your voice here in the confines of church and you have said, I'm unclean, I am unclean. I have sinned against God and my neighbor in my thoughts, my words, and my deeds. I'm dirty, I'm sinful. If you get too close to me, you might catch what I got. It'd be best if you just stay away. We're not so good at dealing with sin, yet we don't know how to get rid of it either. This girl who came to the pastor did the absolute best thing. 
As embarrassing as hard as it is to go in and speak to the pastor about the darkness of sin, the pastor is not there to dump gasoline or to make you feel any more guilty or shameful. The pastor is there simply to pronounce forgiveness, life, and salvation by the precious blood of Jesus. When you heard the list today from our epistle reading from Galatians 5, of the desires of the flesh versus the desires of the Spirit, you have a picture here of the war that we are constantly embattled in. But you might want to notice here today what Paul said about the war against the Spirit and the flesh. The works of the flesh, he says, are evident. They are known by everyone around us. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, fits of anger, rage, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envies, drunkenness, orgies, and all things like this. When you hear that list of the desires of the flesh and the desires of the Spirit, of the fruits of the Spirit, where do you measure on all of that? Do you balance the scales? Did you hear some on both sides that describe you that might publicly show others who you are? Sure, we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control, but I also have fits of anger, rage, and jealousy. The truth of today's matter is really a point to be made. Are you stuck in sin that you can't seem to find a cure? Are you stuck in a sense where you might look at others and say, just get away from me, don't look at me. I'm hideous in my own heart. Go back to the lepers. These ten men knew that Jesus could bring something when he would come near. He's not like the rest. He's not like you or me, where the best thing we could do is send somebody to the edge of the village when they get sick. And I really wish, I really wish, honestly, as a pastor and as a church, that we could get this point across to so many people outside of the church today. Our reputation as 21st century Christians here and across the board in mainline Christianity today is that we're all a bunch of do-gooders. People who have their life in order. People who tend to be judgmental of others. Holding up others by the shackles of their sins for all to see. And Jesus is our best friend, our superhero, our role model, our example, and we just have to believe enough and follow Him and everything will be hunky-dory. Oh, and by the way, we say that we believe Jesus, we say and sing that we love Jesus, but we really don't need to follow Him because we're not really saved by our works, we're saved by faith, and it gets all confusing. You and me, Jesus, you and me, Jesus, forget everybody else. That is not what Jesus does. Jesus is the best friend of the leper. He would rather be with the homeless people, the drug dealers, the drug addicts, the corrupt politicians. 
He's a sinner's friend. He loves the people who are sick. He alone heals those who are sick, even to the point of death. What's even better is, is that he cannot catch what you have because he is already so much like you. He has it already. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Those deep down, dirty, dark secrets that you and you alone know, he became those things. He is like the doctor who already has the virus and goes into the village with a bunch of people with the virus without a mask, without hand sanitizer, to care for those people who are dying. The point is, is you cannot make Jesus sick. He already has come to be and to take away our sickness. Our sin is on His shoulders. The weight of the world is laid onto Him. The violence, the anger, the jealousy, yes, it's all given to Him, and it puts Him to death. No vaccine, no cure, no drug cocktail. He is crucified, dead as a doornail, and buried. And if that were the end of the story, then the lepers would remain outside of their community. They'd have to stay away. And you and I as sinners would have no hope. Just go home. Spend the rest of Labor Day weekend wherever you want to do. We would have no hope. We just have to try to protect ourselves from one another in the end. But that's not why He has come for us. He is raised from the dead. All of our sins could not keep Him dead. No sickness, disease, perversion, or fleshly passion could ruin Christ. Hallelujah! Christ is risen! It's not too far away. He gives Himself to you! And He has taken on your sins and your iniquity, and now He gives Himself wholly and fully to you in body and in soul. He does not leave the house empty, but He fills it with good things, love and joy and forgiveness. He turns you out from yourself towards others. This is not you and Jesus' happy time. This is you and Jesus calming your troubled hearts patching up all of your wounds, giving you the medicine of immortality, and giving us the greatest commission as a church ever could receive. Love one another as I have loved you. The works of the flesh, the passions and desires that all of us have, all of the self-serving, only to make us greater at the expense of our neighbor, this has all been crucified with Jesus. You are now changed. My visible sins, your visible sins, all of our sins of thought, word, and deed are gone. In Him and through this place, you are now different. The old ways are gone. You don't have to stay out of the edge of town. You don't have to deny your friends when they've done horrific and shameful sins. You do not have to judge and verbally crucify those people whose sins are public for all to see and the sins that they are wrapped up in and addicted to and cannot get out of. 
You don't have to run around telling people how unclean they are or others who fear that they will get sick even from you. You've died to all of that in your baptism. And now you are raised to new life in Jesus, already in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which will one day, I really hope, will be soon. It will be seen by all as it already is. The nine men run off to the temple to show themselves to the priests so they can get their vaccine passport stamped and they can get back to their old lives. The one foreigner, the one person who is not of the household of God, sees where God is in Jesus Christ and he comes to him praising God at Jesus' feet. Healing is given to you today. Forgiveness is given to you today. Yes, you know, but you need to hear it again. Jesus has died for all of your sins and the sins of the whole world. Yet so many will go back to their old ways. Maybe another lesson that we could learn from this story is is that faith is rare. Let that be a wake-up call as well. One out of ten, and a foreigner nonetheless, that is all who recognizes what Jesus has come to give. But nonetheless, despite there just being 10% of the formula working, He has come for you today. He has come for you today because He sees your heart. He sees what you have done in thought, word, and deed. He sees that you are stuck, that you are sick, and that you are dying. But He has come to take it all away. So that instead of seeing yourself by your sins, you see yourself as He sees you. Holy, righteous, innocent, and blameless in His sight. See yourself as forgiven and restored. See yourself in the one who has forgiven and restored you. Rise up and go your way. Your faith has made you well. You and the ones that you have even cast out. The unclean are now clean. The unlovable are now loved. The sadness is turned to joy. And if you find that your sins keep creeping back up, and despair comes back, and you start seeing yourself in the cloud and darkness of your sins, Jesus will always be here for you. Not to turn a blind eye from you, not to look upon you with shame or guilt, but to once again tell you the words of eternal life. I forgive you all your sins. Go your way. Your faith has saved you. Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.